Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and today's date is October 27th, 2020, and um, I have an article I'd like to share with you in regard to 45 missing kids that were found in Ohio. It's described as the largest statewide anti-human trafficking operations in Ohio's history. State and federal officials join forces to help rescue more than 100 survivors. It's called Operation Autumn Hope, and this is footage of one of the raids in Ohio where authorities took down 177 people involved in human trafficking including 14 individuals arrested in Mahoning County last week. If you're using the internet to try and exploit or take advantage of underage individuals, we want it to be in the back of your head that you may be talking to one of us and hopefully you will be talking to one of us. Uh, we're not going away. We're going to continue to do these types of stings. 109 survivors were rescued during the month of October. Green's agency, along with nearly 60 others, joined forces for Operation Autumn Hope. U.S. Marshals were able to close 84 missing child cases, where 45 children were rescued. Four more returned home. 16 others were located. There's estimates that around one in five or one in six of endangered runaways, which makes up the largest portion of these missing child cases, are being trafficked. Those are astounding numbers that we must collectively combat. We must recover these children. During a news conference today in Columbus, law enforcement agencies and social service agencies joined Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost to announce the success of the operation. Columbus made 80 arrests, and in Franklin County, eight men who traveled to central Ohio with the intent to have sex with children were arrested. Those involved in the operation say let this be a warning to those who are selling human beings and for those who are buying sexual services that the next door you knock on could be that of an officer ready to arrest you. Okay, so hooray, hooray. They cut some guys. I don't care how, how they do it. If, if they have to impersonate somebody or whatever. So long as they catch them, that's the main thing. Now, lately, I've been talking a, a little bit about the Pope because there's some very curious things going on with the Pope, and I'm not really sure exactly what's happening. And um, other clergy, bishops, and priests are coming out and speaking out about what's going on with the Pope. So I'm on the job here trying to figure this out this one here is about homosexuality laudato jesus christus praise be jesus christ and good morning on this feast of saint john of capistrano 14th century saint now this was a man who was born in a dark time 14th century one third of the population and nearly 40 percent of all the priests were wiped out by the, the bubonic plague. Try to say that ten times fast. Um, there's a Western schism going on with the split in the church. 
two or three men at the same time claiming to be Pope. England and France were at war. City-states of Italy were all in conflict. Um, so it was just a really a state of confusion and darkness kind of hovered over. And he came out as a great priest and Franciscan in that time, preaching the truths of the faith and how we are to live in this world to get to heaven. And his big writings today on his feast, you can see in the breviary, are about priest being the light of the world he says you are the light of the world now a light does not illumine itself but instead it diffuses its rays and shines all around upon everything that comes into its view so it must be with the glowing lives of upright and holy clerics by the brightness of their holiness they must bring light and serenity to all who gaze upon them they have been placed here to care for others their own lives should be an example to others showing how they must live in the house of the lord that's the that's the purpose of the priesthood to be a light to help guide others in the midst of darkness it was so beautiful because in the morning prayer based on his readings uh, the reading was from hebrews 13 remember your leaders who spoke the word of god to you consider how their lives ended and imitate their faith jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings and goes on on your walls jerusalem i have set my watchmen to guard you day or night they will not cease to proclaim the name of the lord the watchmen are the priests and the prophets who are meant to protect the people from error by proclaiming the laws of god and protecting them from the darkness of all the lies that come from without and how do we do that by not being carried away by all kinds of strange teachings so the basic understanding there is that sin makes you stupid saint thomas would say sin clouds the intellect so the more we allow sin into our life the more confused we become our light our mind becomes darkened grace is light that's why there's always this contrast between light and darkness and christ says, i am the light that came into the world right and but in this is the judgment because men prefer darkness to light because why their works were evil so we can choose to stay in confusion, to stay in darkness when we don't want to convert ourselves because we know that our actions when exposed to the light will be wrong and we'll have to change. So men often will choose darkness to light. That's our choice. Priests are called to be a light, to show truth and the way we must act. Let's talk about homosexual civil unions because it's a big topic. Just came out this week with um, some confusing words by our beloved Pope Francis. He said in a um, documentary that was just released last Wednesday and will be aired this weekend in the United States, homosexuals have a right to be a part of the family. They're children of God and have a right to a family. Nobody should be thrown out or be made miserable because of it. Let's stop there and just say, Amen. Yes, everyone has a right to be a part of a family. And homosexuals should never be pushed out of their own families or out of churches or societies because of their orientation. They must be loved and respected. Then he goes on to say, what we have to create is a civil union law that with that way they're legally covered. I stood up for that. Okay, that's a big problem because that is contrary to what the church actually teaches about how we uh, deal with civil union laws between um, same-sex couples. So first off, this raised a lot of confusion, and that's what I want to address today is how we should understand this in light of church teaching. 
So you have some people who've just been tweeting out, I just grabbed one, Pope Francis's support for same-sex civil unions is a major step forward in the church's support of LGBT people. It is in keeping with his pastoral approach and sends a strong signal to countries where the church has opposed such laws. Okay. And then some are saying, well, it's just a translation error. You know, it's, it wasn't the right word that, that he used there. Um, it's not really civil union laws. It's, it's more for just protecting the couple. I don't think that's true because the same argument was used with Amor Letizia, with all the confusion regarding divorced and remarried couples, um, that it was, a, it was a translation error that was causing people to believe that divorced and remarried could receive Holy Communion uh, in the church at this point. Well, no correction was given. So if the Holy See comes out in the next couple of days, or Pope Francis himself would be even better to say, hey, that documentary misquoted me. I didn't actually promote same-sex civil union marriage. If he does that, then yeah, we can say it was probably just a mistranslation. If there's no word on it, then that speaks for itself. Silence always carries its own message. What is the official teaching of the Catholic Church on this matter? The Congregation for Doctrine of the Faith, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, which is binding on our conscience, 2003, wrote out a document you can find on the internet about this very thing by Pope, uh, at that time, Pope John Paul II and um, Benedict, Cardinal Ratzinger. I'm just going to read it uh, straight the last paragraph. In those situations where homosexual unions have been legally recognized or have been given the legal status and rights belonging to marriage, clear and emphatic opposition is a duty. One must refrain from any kind of formal cooperation in the enactment or application of such gravely unjust laws and as far as possible from material cooperation in the level of their application goes on the church teaches that respect for homosexual persons cannot lead in any way to approval of homosexual behavior or to legal recognition of homosexual unions the common good requires that laws recognize promote and protect marriage as the basis of the family the primary unit of society legal recognition of homosexual unions or placing them on the same level as marriage would mean not only the approval of deviant behavior with the consequence of making it a model in present-day society, but would also obscure basic values which belong to the common inheritance of humanity. The church cannot fail to defend these values for the good of men and women and for the good of society itself. And also, just consider this, by allowing civil unions to take place, by protecting that, Um, in society, what you're doing is you're protecting people who are in a near occasion of sin. So to be in a same-sex union, it's it's not sinful to have the inclination. It's sinful to act on it. And it's a mortal sin. And so what we're doing is we're saying it's okay for people to be living in a constant near occasion of mortal sin by, by living together in that circumstance. Assuming that they're following the teachings that you cannot act on those, um, on that inclination without grave error. So what has come out, is that binding for us as Catholics? Has Pope Francis changed this to the point where we have to change our teaching, change our practice? 
answer is absolutely not. If you had a police officer who's a friend, and he comes over, he's a, he's a friend of a friend who comes over to your house for, you know, a barbecue or something. You burn his burger, and you serve it to him, and he doesn't like the burger, and he's upset. He's sitting there in his, you know, khakis and flip-flops and whatnot, and he says, you know what, you're under arrest. What kind of uh, weight would his words carry? It'd be a little different than if you were speeding and he pulled you over and he's in his full gear and in his cop car and finds you breaking the law. If he says you're under the arrest for driving drunk or something like that, immediately it's like his words carry weight. If he does it right there because you burn your burger, you, okay, you're not acting according to the law that you're called to protect, that you're subject to, and you're not acting within your proper authority right now. So your words carry no weight. You can say I'm under arrest, but I'm going to go get another burger. doesn't matter. Um, when is the Pope infallible? This is a great thing to understand, especially in this time with so much confusion coming out of uh, the news. When is the Pope infallible? That What he says is binding to our conscience. It's only ex cathedra. Ex cathedra is when he speaks in union with all the bishops and according to the perennial unchanging teachings of the church. How many times has Pope Francis spoke ex cathedra in his pontificate? Answer is zero. So anything that we hear from the news or from interviews, personal opinions, does not bind us whatsoever, has no bearing on what we believe in our faith. So the problem with this, though, is that people can grab it, priests, bishops who want to change the teachings of the church without being outright about it can change pastoral practice from dogmatic truth right so it's a, it's a, a sort of a contradiction we believe x but we'll practice y in order to be pastoral um, it's almost like it's what's happened with communion for marriage and divorce it we cannot by law by the teachings of the faith unchanging give communion to those who are living in adultery Right? So though if you're divorced and remarried, you're in adultery. You're living in fornication outside of wedlock. So you can't receive Holy Communion until you get that rectified. Well, by saying we're doing a pastoral practice, by giving communion to the divorced and remarried outside the church, um, you're now separating what, we're, what we believe from what we're practicing, which is, um, leads to schizophrenia at best and sinful. But so another thing you could say, okay, you have to get a 70 in order to pass an exam to get into this college. And someone gets a 50, and then you say, well, we'll allow them to go forward, and we'll just mentor them through. It's like, well, what happened to the objective rule about the 70? And if that's not true, why is it a rule? Right? So pra pastoral practice should never, should, should be within the law, never outside of it. And when we do pastoral practice, it's to bring people back into the law, not to say that they're okay outside of the law, because right? then you're just basically in practice changing the law. So what should we do as faithful Catholics? Well, we should remember our leaders who spoke the word of God to us. Consider how their lives ended and imitate their faith. And many of them died as martyrs because they refused to sacrifice the truth of Christ, the truth of the gospel, the unchanging truths of the church, to the fluctuation of their times. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings.
and you'll never lose his peace. Okay. It's described as the largest... Okay, so, um... I didn't see anything in there that was, um, against the Pope, so... Actually, it was, um... I think it was reiterating what the Bible says, though, in reference to homosexuality. So thank you for listening. Bye-bye.